Amen, amen. Well, I have the distinct privilege and honor of introducing Pastor Brinson Barker, who has been a mentor of mine for, yes, round of applause, who has been a mentor of mine for the past, oh my goodness, it's been over 10 years. I'd have to actually sit down and count and see. Well, maybe it might be right at 10 years, actually, because you got to NCC when? 2008, so yep, it's been 10 years. So, I mean, I, I am, I, I can literally say, okay, who I am today is part of who God has poured into me through this man. So I, uh, I really want you all to just, just have a heart of expectation for what the Lord wants to speak to it through you, through him to you. <laughs> Amen. So please uh, give a round of applause for Pastor Brinson Barker. It's good to be here. Good to see y'all. I mean, who can say that Bethel led worship before they got to preach? I mean, come on, somebody. <laughs> There's very few people that can say that. And then I look up there, and it's like a New Covenant flashback, Valdosta, New Covenant, Valdosta. And I look up there, and I see Brittany, which was in our young adults group when Cornell was there. She was one of the, she was the African-American girl on the right who just has a heart for God. And then you saw... Um, uh, Adam Kaiser, which our nursery coordinator at New Covenant, it is her son. And so anyhow, it was kind of cool, you know. God has a way of moving us where he wants to move us. And he has a way of showing us what he wants to show us. But I am privileged. Thank you, Cornell, for uh, introducing me today and appreciate him. He's just been a blessing to my life. And I know he's been a blessing to yours, you know, for, for many years. We actually had the privilege of serving in Guatemala. I served with my family there, as you probably, you might know, for three years. And Cornell was down there for six months out of that three years. And it was a blessing to have him. He was such an asset to the kingdom there, to the ministry there. And uh, it was just awesome. Uh, so <clears throat> I was there for three years. And then actually I've been back in the United States of America for two years and we now um, travel to different countries and preach the gospel and minister the word and help really equip people to reach people uh, equip people to reach people wherever they're at and that's really my heart as a missionary evangelist what 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 have you um, I, uh, I go to the Philippines quite a bit about uh, twice every every year and also was had the privilege of going to Liberia where we uh, where I went right before we went to the Philippines and then we went back to the Philippines just just a few months and then I went to Guatemala just uh, with my family just a few weeks ago but uh, Liberia was an interesting place to say the least we actually reached into a people group called the Mano people which are 93% unevangelized, or excuse me, unbelievers, not Christians, and they practice cannibalism. So we were able to proclaim Jesus to them and not get eaten. Amen. But truly, it was a challenge as we had to be careful what we said, um, and we talked a lot about blood sacrifice and Jesus being the final sacrifice of our sin that gives us access to heaven. And uh, we saw many people 
come to faith in Christ. There they do it a little bit different. When uh, you give an altar call, people pray the prayer aloud, and you don't call an individual out. It's just really different in their culture. And so one place we were in, um, almost everybody prayed to receive Jesus. So it was just, it was awesome. Uh, of course, I, I had the privilege of taking Cornell and uh, Victoria Musgrove to the Philippines, which I'm sure you heard about that trip. And I'm telling you, it was awesome. We didn't have time for rest. It was so awesome. But uh, we established one day of rest and ended up seeing um, in that, on that day of rest of uh, the guy that I worked there, a national leader or a national, pa- he's a pastor of, uh, of a church and also a leader of about 20 different church networks named Rolando Caliao. Anyhow, Rolando uh, said, hey, we want y'all to come by. He had one of his uh, guy that was in his congregation uh, had recently, about two or three years ago, given his life to Christ and was radically transformed. His name's Axel Rose. Did you tell them this story? You did already? The, the conclusion of it, too? Even last week? Well, <laughs> I'll make it quick since it probably was more in detail when Cornell did it. But So Axel Rose gives his life to Jesus, and he invites us to come for a temporary 10-minute visit, which we know better. I know better from... On the, being on the mission field, that 10 minutes is never 10 minutes, especially when the Holy Spirit shows up. So anyhow, we proclaim Jesus to them there. Uh, they asked us to share our testimony, and next thing you know, the whole family and all, most all of their friends receive Christ. Now they meet every day or meet on a regular basis, and really it's the birthing of a church plant. Since then, the Father has been, uh, we provided the, um, all those who got saved Bibles because most of them didn't have any Bibles. And then also the grandfather since then has been led to the Lord. And then recently he passed away literally just about a few weeks, uh, a few weeks after he received Jesus Christ. So it was awesome to be a part of that and so many other things. And uh, just awesome to see what God does when we make ourselves available to him. And, you know, it's so important to be where God wants you to be. And when you're where God wants you to be, you can expect a divine flow. You know, I so appreciate Miss Laurel. And um, I, I, I remember probably about six years ago, just, just let, stay with me for a few minutes. I remember about six years ago, um, I was at a camp meeting. And I was worshiping the Lord. And then I looked over and I saw her. And I'm like, I know her from somewhere. I know her from somewhere, and it just was, and I think I went to Cornell or whatever. I said, does she not look familiar to you, or at least it was in my mind to do so, and uh, come to find out, I went up to her, and I said, oh, my goodness, as I was, she's one of the ladies that teaches in the CLST, and she taught on Armor Bear. It was such a, it was such a great teaching we had. I was leading the Bible school at that time at New Covenant in Valdosta, and I was like, man, it's her. And I was like, hey. (laughs) Anyhow, it was so cool. So such a rich gift you guys have here and such a blessing. It has, I was here actually a little bit over two years ago. And so a lot has changed since then, but a lot is still the same. And that person that's always the same is Jesus. And he's always involved in our lives, changing us from the inside out, right? Well, let me pray and um, we'll go ahead and get into the word. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your presence that we sense, we feel this morning. We do thank you that you're alive. We thank you that you never change. 
we thank you that as we're submitted to you, that we change so that we can become more like you. And we just bless you. We love you. In Jesus' name, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to say what you want to do, say what you want, to do what you want, and to release these people to be all that you've called them to be. Such precious people. Such precious people. Jesus even said it. He said, you are his precious possession, a royal priesthood. Lord, I thank you for these precious people, people chosen by God for such a time as this. And God, I ask you that after this day that each individual in this room would be lifted, would be encouraged, and would be stirred to be active in the world in which you've called them to. And that more than anything, they would fall head over heels more deeply, more deeply in love with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I just, um, I just wanted to share with you for a few minutes. Is that all right? I'm all the way from Valdosta, Georgia, so it's not too far away. So I just wanted to take a few minutes and, and share with you what's on my heart uh, this morning. And, you know, I, I believe that as a body of Christ right now that we're on the doorway of an opportunity. And I believe that we're in this season of opportunity in the body of Christ to step into some things that we previously have not had access to. But there's, I believe there are certain things that happen in history and certain time that unfolds and certain things that um, in history that aren't available until certain times in history. And we, we, we talk about a lot about the, the tragedies and the difficulties around us. And I don't know about y'all, but I love the picture when I pray of revival. In my, here's my picture. Everything's going per, per, to be perfect, pristine. Everything's going to be clean and nice. And every, there's going to be no violence or crime. And then the power of God moves. <laughs> That's really unrealistic as it relates to history and time. And sometimes God reveals himself most of the time. Probably about 95% of the time, God moves in such an exceptional way. It's in the midst of great difficulty. It's in the midst of great tragedy. Can you say it in your life too? <laughs> I can say it in my life. And that God, God wants us to be prepared. I like to say it like this. That leaders are always ready when the time comes. Leaders are always ready when the time comes. And God is looking for people that would lead, would step out of the closet and begin to lead so that the opportunities that he wants can be ready. But a leader is always ready when the time comes. And leaders are always learners. And leaders have the leadership of the Holy Spirit within them that leads them and guides them into all truth. The, the reason why you can be a leader is because you're a good follower of Jesus. Those that follow Jesus can be led by Jesus, but those that are not followers of Jesus can't even lead themselves. And God wants us to be able to be sometimes the most difficult person to lead is ourselves. But anyhow, amen or oh me or hallelujah or hola, 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 hallelujah. But I remember when I played football at Varasa High School back during the Great Depression right before the war. Okay, I thought you would get it. Take a minute. It's a few years ago, back in the 90s, the early 90s, and I had worked really hard. 
I mean, I had gone from a private school and I stepped over to Vadasa High School where it was my dad played and he never lost a game in three years. And I was ready to play. It was in my blood. And so I was convinced that everything, I was going to give it everything I got and I'm going to do my very best because I wanted to have a spot on the team and really to some degree have a spot in history. And so as I began to do that, as I began to prepare myself and get ready, my sophomore year, my very first year playing at Valdosta, I did not go to spring, but I'm standing right on the edge of going to a game. And I had prepared myself really well. And I get to the game that was an away game in Jessup, Georgia. And at that game, I go and I reach into my bag, my little duffel bag, you know, the thing that does all that and pops around and I always get it confused. But anyhow, so I'm reaching down, I get my cleats out, I get my shoulder my pads out, I get my everything out and then I look and I can't, I even have my helmet, but I can't find my pants. They were going to let me play. They were going to let me play, but I didn't have my pants. And my coaches normally have an extra supply of pants, and they weren't prepared, so therefore I did not get a chance to play in the game. And I remember being emotional because I wanted to play, but I forgot my pants. And so what is my point? I don't know. It's just a good story. But, um, but if you're not prepared, You'll be caught with your pants down on games day, on game day, right? God is not looking for a, a church that shows up on game day without their pants. He wants you to be ready. And if we're ready when our time comes, we'll have the opportunity. It's kind of like this, you know, when, when preparation, preparation has a date with opportunity. But if opportunity does not show up to that date, they will never marry. For example, what's this young man's name? Will. Will if he never he had a date with what's her name? Grace. Will and Grace, I love it. But Will had a date with Grace. Will, what was his name? His name's preparation. Will is preparation. He had a date with Grace, which was what? Opportunity. But if Will never showed up and met Grace, they would have never married. It's the same way. If we don't allow ourselves to be prepared, the opportunities that we so desire will never happen. I know we like to think it's just all going to just work out so good and we don't have to do nothing. Jesus, come. Yes, Lord, lead me. Lead me to the place. You know, but it doesn't work that way. We have to prepare and get ourselves ready so that when the time comes, we'll be ready. And the, a leader is always ready. When the time comes, you know, I believe preparation is vital at this season that we're walking through right now and that the doors of opportunity are right in front of us. If we are going to walk through these doors, we must know we are we, we must know we uh, we must know the keys in order to approach the door and open it. We must know the keys of preparation in order to unlock the door to opportunity. And so I want to help you for a few minutes this morning to help open those doors and give you some keys that I believe will be helpful to you 
and to other people that you may know that will help you have those keys so you can unlock that door. Because God, I know sometimes it's difficult when we're just swallowed up with problems and difficulties and issues to be able to know what is going on. Sometimes the cloud is so incredibly uh, cloudy <laughs> and we can't really see the darkness for the storm, you know. We, we just are so overwhelmed. But I just want to help you this morning to somehow just clear out the smoke, clear out the unclarity, and allow God to, to reveal to you these keys that will help get you back on track to see the opportunities that your heart has desired for many, many years. You know, the scripture talks about prophetic words. And, and it talks about in um, second, excuse me, in 1 Timothy about the, the, the fight, um, about fighting for the word. Get, hand me my Bible real quick. In, in 1 Timothy verse one, or chapter 1, it says this, to just give you a, a little bit of a picture of this. Jesus, Jesus. Mm-hmm. It says in verse 18, 1 Timothy 1, 18, it says this. It says, I'm giving you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies previously made about you so that you may you so that by recalling them you might fight the good fight. So with prophetic words that God has given us, it will cause us to fight. And I want you to be able to be to fight for those prophetic words that God has given you, to not give up on those dreams. And I'm saying this to myself, to not give up on those things that God has spoken. And we're not talking about things that just build you up, edify you, and make you look so good. I'm talking about the word of the Lord for you and for your life to fulfill his purpose for your life. And I believe in order to do that, we must be a people that have his presence in our life. Really, if you don't hear anything that I'm saying today, hear this, that if we're going to be prepared on game day, we need to be a people that are carriers of his presence. His presence has power. And we must learn as the people of God to be led by the Spirit and be led by people that are under the influence of his presence. I mean, you know, people get, you know, DUIs all the time under the influence, right? But why can't we be under the influence? As believers, we can. Matter of fact, the Bible says, do not, in Ephesians 5, do not be drunk with wine, whereas in excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. It gives you a, a, of what it looks like before. Do not be drunk with wine, where's that? But be filled. He gives you permission to be under the influence of his presence, the influence of his spirit. And we're, when we're up under that intoxicating presence, we do crazy things. Just like you did in the world, you regret when you wake up in the morning what you did. But in the spirit, when you're under the influence, you wake up going, wow, did I really do that? Did we really see that? Oh, my gracious. And we want to live with a conscious awareness of his presence so we can stay bold and full of him so that we didn't even know what we did. I love this scripture, and here's the challenge, all right? So I, the, the, there's everything in life has due dates, you know what I mean? And I remember sitting in a group of, of youth, and 
when I was a youth pastor in Lake City, Florida, and, and it was just everybody was, you know, having challenges of not, they really weren't spending time with the Lord or they were struggling because of all these different things going on in their life. And I know y'all can't relate to spend time with the Lord and they're youth. I mean, y'all are adults and I know adults always never, they never have a problem with that, right? But anyhow, you, they were just struggling. Good kids. We were just in the midst of revival and just amazing things happening. But one of the things that happened with them is they were, uh, they were just dry and having some challenges. And, and basically, I asked the question. I said, why is it that we struggle, basically, to be in the presence of God? Why is it that we struggle to be in his presence? And one of the wise young youth stood up and said, and not physically, but spirit stood up and said, well, because everything else has a due date on it. And he's talking about, you know, our exams have a due date on them. You know, our appointments have a due date on them. Our, uh, and he went through a list of all these different things that you had to be prepared. You had to be ready for this specific time, right? All these things in our lives, there's this just whole revolving door, I guess you could say, that always throws us back in a position where we're always thinking about the due date. And the very thing that we need the most, we neglect. And it keeps us, we may have all our appointments right, we may have showed up on time, but we showed up, we showed up without the vital, essential power of the presence of God in the things that we do. You can go to show up to all your dates and do all this stuff and, and, and yet be without the very thing you need in order to utilize the reason why you're here on earth and to do what it is God has accomplished you to. But I began to think about that afterwards. <laughs> I wish I had it right there. But I thought, well, we do have a due date. Picture, if you will, a room that's full of plans as an architect, you go into that room in order to get plans. See, in heaven, there is a plan room. And you access that plan room by being in his presence, though you're on earth. And you can pull out the blueprints so that you can walk in this life. But without being in his presence, you will not know the blueprints. You can try you can think about it, but you have to, we have to put ourselves in a position to be in the plan room. And I love this scripture in Psalm 1611 that I, want, I know we say it a lot of times in a way that is really, it, it's, it's, it's good, but it's not complete. And it says this in Psalm 1611, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy and eternal pleasures at thy right hand. He will show you the path of life. In his presence, I know we like that middle part there. In his presence is fullness of joy. But he said he will show you the plan in his presence. He will show you the blueprint in his presence. And I'm telling you, that's a wonderful place to be in the plan room, especially when you don't have any plans and you don't know what you're doing or the plans that you thought you had crashed and burned and you feel like your life is like a bunch of burnt plans. But I'm telling you, that's not God's plan room. That was your plan room. And you need to come out of that 
room where you have been disappointed and come into his room in the spirit and begin to allow his presence to reveal to you with your eyes wide open the blueprint room that has all the plans that you need in order to do what he's created you to do. Listen, when we're not in our when we're not in the presence of God, our spiritual eyes will not be open to the path and we can miss it. But we we're not going to miss it, are we? Because we're going to follow him. The Lord has all the plans laid out in his presence, but we must go into his presence to access those plans. There is a door, there is a key in order to get into any room. And the key to getting into his presence is what? Somebody tell me. What's the key? One, i tell you this, is to know that you have access. And, and the way you, you have gained access is not because of your works. It's because of his works, what he did, how he gave himself away on the cross. Blood, his blood, the blood of his son gave you access to enter into that room. Blood is the key access to coming into his presence. Amen? It's crazy how we search and wear ourselves out for answers, but we don't allow his presence to lead us sometimes. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Preparation can, preparation can never meet opportunity without being in the presence of the preparer. We know this scripture in John 16, 13, it says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell us what is to come. So we have to come into agreement with what his word truly says. He says from that scripture that he will show me things to come, and he will lead me into all truth. Maybe you don't know what to do right now in your life. Maybe it's in your business, in your ministry, in your family. You don't know what to do, but he says he will show you things to come. In other words, he'll prepare you for what's ahead. And a leader is always ready when the time comes. So when the leader is in the presence, he can get the plan and the power can be released in each moment that God calls us to. When we allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the future, we will be prepared in advance. And I have found the best way to prepare is to be ready when my time comes. The best way for me to be prepared is I've already made a choice beforehand because I'm ready to make a decision, and my decision has already been made up in advance. We can't really know someone personally without being in their presence. You can't know, I can't know you unless I'm in your presence. I can know about you. I can know what you do for a living. And in this world that we live, we can know all about somebody more than we really know that person. And we have these little Cliff Notes ministries. I don't know if you know what Cliff Notes are, but it's what we used to use all the time instead of reading. But anyhow, I just told on myself right there. I don't think they have them anymore. But anyhow, we have these Cliff Notes versions of people that we think we know. It's just kind of like when I, um, I heard I, we had to read the, To Kill a Mockingbird. And I thought I'd get really anointed and smart. And I would just watch the movie. And I would read the Cliff Notes. And I remember going to take that test. And the test did not do too, I did not do too well on that test. 
because I had derived my information like, fa like we derive our information from Facebook. Little parts here, and it didn't all weave everything together. It just gave me these segments, and it was for those that wanted to study for the test and not substitute the test. And I think they had some things messed up in that movie, and I spoke like an authority in that class. And I said, well, didn't Boo Radley do this and that? And I said, he didn't. Oh, no, I, I think you must be mistaken. That was so-and-so, and they did this. And no, I'm, and I'm like, I'm shutting up. I'm not saying anything else. Those cliff notes, that movie doesn't work. But I have to be, in, in life, we cannot live our lives from a Facebook mentality or an Instagram mentality. We have to go to the very room and be with Him in His presence so that we can get directly the very information from heaven we need to get the whole picture. See, here's what happens when we don't get in His presence. We get the wrong interpretation of our lives. And I can tell you, as I've been in his presence, he's changed my view of myself and he's changed my view of other people. Judgment begins to go out the back door when I start thinking about people now because I realize I've been tempted by that too and I could fall at any moment. And I, it causes me to be sensitive more now because I realize that I've got to have his presence in my life and without his presence, I cannot have the right perspective. Say it with me. Without his presence, I cannot have the right perspective. Here's the perspective you'll have. It'll be all about you. All about you. You remember that song? Oh, Lord, have mercy. I need some water. Somebody got me some water. All about that. Was, I'm blaming on the water, but it was my voice. But anyhow, I, it's all about you when you're not with him. Because you don't get the right perspective and you begin to see yourself in a way that is incorrect. You begin to define your circumstances by your own interpretation of it or maybe even the most anointed person in the room in your mind's interpretation of your circumstance. But that is not, that is a pseudo interpretation of your circumstance. Even if it's a correct understanding, it's not in your heart. It's got to be in your heart, in his presence, that will cause those things to be available to you so you can access them to make that difference that he wants you to. I want to be a person that understands his presence and lives in it. And listen, I'm not just talking about, you know, and it, there, I believe it's very vitally important that every believer has time with Jesus. I tell youth, I tell people that have maybe have struggles with spending time with Jesus, I say just five minutes a day. Because I know once you get in the presence of God, you'll be addicted like cocaine and you just can't get enough. I am addicted to the most high, right? And when you're addicted to the most high, then you just cannot get enough. And there is a part that we play. We need to be in his presence. We need to be, have time with him alone, shut the door the scripture talks about. We need to be locked away, away from distractions, whatever way that may look. A time, a place, all those things. We need to be, make ourselves available to be in his presence. But we don't need to just leave his presence in a room. His presence is too great. His presence is too big. How foolish would it be for me to spend time with my wife one hour a day and she calls me throughout that day and says, Honey, I need to talk.
baby, wait till tomorrow morning. But baby, tomorrow morning we can have some time together. What, baby, it's an emergency. Our sons are, what, tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock, that is when we spend our time. So if you want to talk to me, talk to me then, I don't have time right now. That's what we do to God. We spend time with him. Maybe we've developed that discipline, and it does take a discipline to do that. But we begin to spend time with Jesus, and then all of a sudden we begin to cut that thing off and say, Oh, glory to God, I did my spiritual duty today. And we live our lives all by ourselves until we wait till the next morning. We get in the presence of God again, and then we walk right out without the presence. Because you gotta, we, we forget that this is a relationship that lasts beyond a room. It's extended into a life. And what has happened in the body of Christ, the reason why people don't want to be Christians is because they kept their personal relationship with Jesus so personal it never became public. It became, it was a private relationship with the Lord. And that's what they did when nobody was looking. But when people were looking, they didn't know how to translate it to a world in which they could live. And God wants us to be a people that Live out of our room. Live out of his presence. In his presence is fullness of joy. He will show us the path of life and he'll lead us and guide us by the power of his spirit. And we can never underestimate the power of his presence. And I want to encourage you to get in his presence and get intoxicated. And then allow that intoxication to go with you everywhere you go. And I'll just tell you, just a real quick application point with that. Something I grew up with. I grew up with my mother watching her spending time with Jesus. I just, but right after I surrendered my life to the Lord, I had seen her all my life. She was just spending time with the Lord. I, and I thought she was asleep, but she just prayed for an hour or more. Just sitting there. And I, I, I saw that discipline in front of me. So the first thing I did when I gave my life to Jesus, I just started spending time with That's what Christians do. A lot of people didn't have that privilege. But I did. And I began to spend time with the Lord. It began to be more of a discipline and, and, and just enjoyed it. It was just amazing. But one of the things that happened is, is I began to be that person that was isolated in the room. And I began to kind of separate it. But one of the things I heard my mom also do is I heard her always humming. She was always singing. And I didn't even understand it back then, but I remember her just singing. Now, I, I mean, she wasn't just all, she was sometimes just humming in her spirit, in her heart, singing and making melody in her heart to the Lord. See, my brother was a drug addict and an alcoholic. My dad was a workaholic. And, and I had a lot of issues as well that we don't have time to get into. And I'm telling you, she had to be in the presence of God in order to handle us boys. And I don't even know if she knew it. She just wanted to be in the presence of God. And it infiltrated the atmosphere. It changed the atmosphere. And it brought peace in the home. And one of the things that I just want to encourage you to do is I, I call them, as, as Rick Warren called them, breath prayers. Throughout the day, just take a phrase and just say, thank you. Or just say, you're here, Jesus. Just say one phrase throughout the day, maybe two or three, and just say, I trust you, God. You're it. You're everything. Whatever that phrase might be re resonate in your heart and begin to, that will cause you to practice his presence. Just by acknowledging he's there. 
just by even saying it, I thank you that, and just believe it. Don't just say it. Lord, I thank you that you are here right now. It carries a presence with it. See? You believe it, and you got to think about it, not just let it come out of your head, come out of your heart. Oh, I thank you. You're here. But it usually doesn't flow too great if you haven't been with him in his presence, but it flows really well when you are. But you can always, I mean, I remember days when I went, and I just, I hadn't been with the Lord, and, and I just went ahead. My faith was in my time with God. And if I didn't have time with God, I, I was fleshy. And I released my faith that I was going to be fleshy if I didn't get a chance to be in the presence of God. But we, we can't allow that to happen either, right? Because sometimes he just wants to be with us all the time. And we can't always have our isolated time with the Lord. But we always need to be aspiring to go for it. And one of the things that leads it, in order to be in his presence, and I just mentioned that, in order to be prepared, not only do we need to be people that are in his presence, and a part of being in his presence is we need to be a people of worship. You know, worshiping the Lord is such a beautiful thing. It's not about us. It's about thanking him for all he's done. It's about worshiping him in spite of everything else. It's about giving him honor that's due his name. We cannot worship without being thankful, and we can't be thankful without worshiping. And one of the things that changed in my life many years ago is an attitude of gratitude. I began to thank God for what I had and not focus on what I didn't have. And when you always focus on what you don't have, you're going to find yourself in a position of defeat. But when you focus on what you do have and you're beginning to trust and worship the Lord, it's a vital weapon that you can fight with when you fight with your praise. Worship is a vital weapon we must choose to use by faith. It's not by feeling. We choose to worship before we feel worship. In other words, what I mean by that is we always want to we always want to experience worship. We want to experience the power of the spirit. We want to experience the Lord in such a real way, right? But the truth of it is is that you have to make a choice to enter in before you often experience that which he holds in his presence. It's an access. You have to walk through that door to unlock it by faith because he's given you access. You unlock it, you enter in, and guess what? There it is. But you're on the outside of the room if you're always going by what you feel. Always on the outside. You knocking on the door, pounding on the door, kicking on the door, yelling, oh, God, would you just go? But you just need to choose. Choose is faith that unlocks a door and causes you to enter in. And God wants us to enter in to what it is he has for us, and by faith we can access what's in that door. Amen? Also another vital key, and I could talk about worship for the next month, but I can tell you, thank you, brother. Um, one of the other vital keys of being in his presence is not only worship, but also we must be a people of his word. Without the word, me and you have zero access. The Word is what gives us access to His presence. And I love this scripture. It makes me want to slap the devil, so I think I will the rest of my life. It's in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 4. And you know it, but I want you to read it like you have spiritual amnesia, like you've never read it before. Okay, that's registered maybe in a few minutes. 
like you've never read it before. It's good to be with you guys today. You guys are awesome. Somebody, if you could, Bill, you, you got it, Mr. Bill? Could You got it? It's just whichever one you got here. According to his divine power, he has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us unto glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. Boom. Thank you. The word, his promises in his word gives you access to his presence, to his divine nature. And through his promises in his word, you can become a partaker you can partake and participate, it even says, in his divine nature. And then you can escape. You can. You can, you can, you can escape corruption that is, caused in, the, is in the world through lust. The word is your way out. And the word is your way in. Way into his presence and the way out of the world. In his presence, out of this world, living out of this world so you don't have to allow yourself to be accustomed or pulled into, sucked into the trap that the enemy desires to have on your life. The, another translation says this, these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature, to share his divine nature. See, without his presence in our lives, or without his word, we really don't have access to anything. And when we're in his presence, you can hear something. You can hear something, but if you don't have the word, you don't know there's nothing to solidify that word. It's just your opinion until you allow his word to get in you. And because you know his word, and you're allowing his word to get into you, when he speaks to you, it will always be in line with the word of your father. It will never deviate. It will not be slap your neighbor. It won't be lie to your neighbor. It won't be, you know, go commit adultery. It will never be these things because it's in line with his word. God's will is his word, and his word is his will. And if you don't know his word, you will not know his will. But because he's died, he's made his will available. And you have access to everything that he has given you that pertains to life and godliness. And you have access to the will. You have inherited something because your father died and he left everything to you. And he says you can have it, but you got to know it. You got to know it. You got to know what it says. Not just read it like some history lesson, but read it like it's alive. Like it's real. And I'll tell you this, and I just opened my Bible, and we did this little outreach or tried to in the Philippines, and there's two different, you know, dollars here. One is counterfeit, 
and one is real. But when you're not in his word, you will be getting a counterfeit. You'll be thinking it's power and it's just your opinion. But when you get him, you have the real thing. Because the Bible says, thy word is truth. Sanctify them because his word is truth. You shall know the, and the truth shall. And this is true. You can take it to the bank. And his word is like a deposit or like a bank. If you allow his word to get in you, you have something to withdraw. And if I go down to the bank, I don't go down to the bank to look at the vault. Oh, the vault is so cool and so beautiful. No, I go to access what's in the vault. And if we don't allow the word of God to get in us, then what happens is, is we have ourselves a pretty little vault. We can dress in church clothes. We can show up on time. We can say all the right pretty things, but there's nothing in the vault. But when we let his word get inside of us, it begins to transform ourselves and the world so my question is, are you allowing his word to work in you in the midst of your circumstances? Listen, it may be an audio Bible. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just don't be so, I mean, it's just going down the road and just, listen. I just want to listen to that over and over and over again. There's this song I listen to that just is all word and I'm just stuck on it. Just let it ruminate, marinate, homodulate, whatever you want to call it, in your spirit so that you can let it come out. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. It's a choice. And I want us and I want you to choose to allow this word to get in you. So that in difficult times you're ready when the door of opportunity is right in front of you. See when you're in his word all of a sudden your eyes are open and you never saw the opportunity before. To me, most of the times that I've walked into an opportunity, it wasn't a planned opportunity. It was an opportunity that I walked into because my eyes were open and I began to see. Let me tell you a story. So me and my family, when, we were, when I was on staff at New Covenant Church for five years in Valdosta, the Lord called me and my family to move across town to a lower-income area and we went from out in the country to being in the city. And it was a dangerous area. And I heard more gunshots there than I did than when I was in Guatemala, just to be quite honest. And so I went into this neighborhood, and I had all the plans. You know what I'm saying? I knew God had called us there, and I you know, had all these different plans. I was going to Bible study here, children's thing. And we were already doing a lot of stuff there. But one day, my, uh, a friend of mine said, hey, we have these muffins that Atlanta Bread Company has is, is given us. Would you like them? And I said, sure. And so after some contemplation, I, you know, I said, sure, we'll take I mean, these are like $4 muffins. Like you eat them and you're like fat instantly. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you gain 20 pounds and you take one bite, right? That's the good stuff right there. So anyhow, I go... And we start, we, we had this idea. I was, okay, well, we'll have ourselves a bus stop ministry. And Cornell was a part of this. And we find out where all the kids are because we wanted to build a relationship with them and their family. And we go to the bus stop. And we start giving out muffins and just getting to know people. And, and so one day, one of uh, the bus drivers came. And I thought he was going to bust out in Holy Ghost Revival when he got them muffins. But anyhow, he said, 
I said, you know, he said, can I have them? I said, sure, and gave him like five or seven or whatever. And so, long story short, uh, we ended up through that one muffin. Muffins change lives. But anyhow, not just your body. <laughs> but but we, we went from uh, that day to them giving those muffins to people over at the bus barn. And it put us in a position where we started doing a Bible study there. Long story, but we started doing a Bible study at the transportation office. And all these people came in, and we would talk about identity in Christ, and people would weep, get healed, get saved, and the presence of God was thick in that place. And God did so, but it wasn't my plan. But the doors open and opportunities arise that we never thought possible that are right there in front of us when we're in his presence. And he gives us access by the power of his word. Now, here's something real quick. Just a few more minutes for you is this. You know, and I want to make sure this is real clear because this is really my heart for help you to understand this. My problems, circumstance, money, prosperity, poverty, Sickness, person that wronged me, or the issue of others will be my focus if God's word is not my center focus. I'm going to have to say it one more time. My problems, circumstances, prosperity, poverty, sickness, person that wronged me, or the issues of others will be my focus if God's word isn't my focus. You will be a, a, a Christian that is led from circumstance to circumstance, from difficulty to difficulty, if you don't allow, and I don't allow the Word of God to be rooted in me because I will define myself by what happened to me rather than the Word that He spoke about me. And I'm telling you, it's a, it's a difficult thing because when a circumstance happens in your life, and I have some de I'm dealing with right now, that are contrary to the Word of God, when I'm confronted with sickness that I believe very clearly in Scripture, that by His stripes we're here, and I've laid hands on the sick and they have not recovered, what am I going to believe? I'm still going to believe what He said more than what I've experienced. And when we marry experience and circumstance to being above His Word, then we've taken Him off the throne and we've put ourselves on the throne. And we've said, my opinion matters more than what you're the facts say and how stupid is that of us I've done it you've done it but we must learn to diversify our focus because if I'm praying in an area you know they call them in the market they in the in the in the market they call it diversified investments because one can fall and another one could could soar and and when you diversify, sometimes you pour yourself into that lost loved one you've been praying for for 25 years. But see, here's the problem. If that is your only focus, that is the hinge pin of your relationship with Jesus. If you've been praying for a certain breakthrough in this church and you haven't seen it yet, I want you to know something. You cannot define right now by what he said. If you've been believing for something in your body and you've not experienced it yet, I love you, but the Word of God is more powerful than your experience. But in order to reap the benefit and the reality of His presence, we must believe that it's work. We kind of believe God like a genie in a bottle. I hear prayers, and I, 
I've heard it in my own home with my children and I've had to address them. Of course, not this one, but other ones. I've had to address them. Where is he at? Where's that thing? Okay. Is he good? Is he good? Okay. Wow. Okay. Where was it? Bring me back. Bring me back. Bring me back. Bring me back. I just realized he wasn't here. His mama's not here either. What's that? Help me. Help me. Bring me back. Bring me back. Genie in a bottle. Sometimes I hear these prayers. Oh, Lord, I hope you move. Oh, Lord, I hope you bless that person. It's just like rubbing your hand on a bottle and praying kumbaya, good luck. But we don't pray as people without hope. We pray as people with living hope that believes that Jesus is still the hope of the world. And when I pray with expectation, it doesn't have me. The circumstance doesn't have me. The circumstance cannot own you, my brother. It cannot own you, my sister. The circumstance, the very thing you've dealt with for 10 to 15 years, don't allow it to own you anymore. I don't know if I've ever said, you need to stop praying about it and start praising him about it. Not because if you praise him, you get the result, but because he's good beyond your circumstance. He's good beyond your sickness. He's good beyond your problems. He's good beyond your wallet. It doesn't matter if you're broke or if you're rich. If your mind is on your wealth or your mind is on your poverty, your mind is on the wrong thing. But when your mind is on this word, your heart is on this word, it's more living, it's more active, it's more powerful than anything else. But the problem is when we allow as believers for this word to not work in us, then we begin to subcontract out the world to tell them what this whole thing is all about. But when the word works inside of us and God's truth is in us, then it wins the day every time. We're not wishing upon a star that something's going to happen. We expect and we believe, but we also can walk away from that expectation and that believing and begin to pour ourselves into another area because this is not our only focus. Jesus' character and who he is is not defined by one circumstance or one thing I have not yet received or something I never received. His character is right here, and it's true. And he is a good God, he is a loving God, and he is powerful in his ways, and there is nothing that is too difficult for him. And when I begin to allow myself to believe that very fact, then I am a person, in closing, that flows in love. Huh. What's love got to do with it? When I'm in his presence... Love flows out. And it, I become to be a carrier of his love. And what I overflow with is what I'll be given, what I'll give myself to. I'll give myself to others. And when I allow his love to work deep inside of me, it is a choice. His presence, a part of, a part of living in his presence and being prepared is his presence itself is about being a person of worship, being a person of his word, and being a person that allows his love to work deep inside of me so that I can give myself away. Sometimes people in the church are known for more for what they're against rather than what they're for. 
And sometimes in the body of Christ, we've judged others when we should have just simply loved. Whose job is it to judge? It's not yours. Stop that junk. Has that been giving you peace? Probably not. But if you sow mercy, you'll reap mercy. But if you sow judgment, you'll reap judgment. And that's in the New Testament. <laughs> but we want to sow love. Give away love. And I'll, I'll say this scripture for the sake of time. And just a few more things about love and being in his presence is a result. result of being in his presence is a, a love overflow. Love is always given for God to love the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Love is always given and available, but it's not automatic. It's not automatic. What is available at the bank isn't an act, isn't, isn't available in order, it's, it's not accessible until I go to the bank, right? His love is available the, like a bank account, but it's not accessible unless I, by faith, go to that thing and I believe my money's there, right? I can say, oh, I got a million dollars in the bank. But, you know, you can drive by that bank every day and be as poor as dirt. But if you go to that bank and access the money in that banking account, it's not automatic, but it's a choice to go into that bank. And you have to choose. And when you choose love, it makes a big difference. Colossians says it this way as it relates to love. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself. In other words, don't walk around naked. Some of us are naturally clothed but spiritually naked. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Another translation says it this way. If you look it up in the Greek, it means put up with each other. Now, that's real love. Now, I know that you think you're just putting up with your neighbor, but your neighbor is putting up with you, too. <laughs> it hurts so good. It's true. Our neighbor is putting up, bear with us, put up with each other, and forgive one another if any of you has any grievance against one another. That's a choice. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, not as they did to you. My little finger. And over all these virtues, this is in Colossians 3, 12 through 15. And over all these virtues, put on love. Another translation is clothe yourself with love, which binds them all together in perfect Unity, and let the peace of Christ rule. I like that. Peace rule. In your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. You were called to peace, by the way. And be thankful. Listen, you can't wear something that isn't yours. See, God gave, he said, God, God is love. He's not trying to be love. You're not trying to get love because you are loved. You don't live out of love. You live from love. Or you don't live for love. You live out of love. There's a flow from love that you can live. But if you're always trying to get love from God, when you go in his presence and you've missed the point, he said he's given you his love. God is love and God is in us. So therefore, because he's in us, we have to choose to put on love. It's like, a, it's like clothes. I have, a, I have a closet, and there's clothes in there. 
probably 25% of them are mine, right? 75% of my wife's. <laughs> but I go into that closet. Even though that closet or those clothes in that closet are mine. I can stay on the outside of that closet all day long. And I can say, I have this, I have that. But if I never go into that closet, I can't access what's rightfully mine, even though it is mine. It's the same thing with love. In order for me to be able to get in that closet what belongs to me, I must know that it is available. And I must know that it was created by God for me to wear and not walk around unclothed and spiritually naked. And the problem in the church a lot of times with me, with us, is that we haven't chosen to put on love. We put on so many other things. And that's why the scripture says, lay aside those weights. That's why the scripture says, get rid of those bad clothes, basically. Get rid of your old self and put on Love. I'm telling you, these clothes wear fit really good. They fit you really good. But if we don't choose to go into that closet, it's kind of like this. Faith without works is dead, right? Galatians 5, 6. What matters is faith working by love. Faith has legs. This is what I was talking about. Faith has like a ligament. Faith works by the ligament of love. Without the ligament, that, that body part isn't going to function, right? And so faith without a ligament doesn't work. Faith without love doesn't work, right? You remember the scripture? You can be saying, if, if, if you don't have love, you're just a bunch of stinking noise. Ting, 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 ting. They hear your heart, not what you're saying, but what you're saying when it is changed and true love and mercy is in your heart, then they'll begin to hear what the church is saying. But we've looked at them because of the way they look on the outside or their, even their sexual preference or their political preference. And we've looked at them. We put them in a categorized box and we say we cannot associate with them. But God is saying that we must be a people that put on love. We must love them regardless of what I believe about them. But this is one thing I believe about them. I believe that he loves them. And if he loves them, how stupid is it for me to not love them? And you know what happens when people, I just was talking the other day to a young man, and he said that he had a bunch of homosexual friends that he was trying to reach, but because the church judged them and put them out and didn't, you know, didn't, they just, in their jargon and their, the way they said different stuff, just, they're, didn't want to have anything to do with church. In the, in the moment when we should love, and I'm not saying we should embrace all the, the uh, that, that kind of a lifestyle. Obviously, it's not in God's word. But the scripture is speaking the truth in love so that they may grow. But here's the thing. Sometimes we want to speak more truth than we do love. We'd rather speak truth than we would in love. But when we speak it, the truth in love, the Bible says people grow up because growth comes from the heart. And when we're rooted and grounded in love, then people will hear what we have to say and it'll give them the key that unlocks the door. Does that make sense? Would you stand on your feet? God, we thank you right now. And I'll just tell you this. When we were in the Philippines, um, a prostitute came and knocked at my door. 
I didn't know she was a prostitute. And what I'm trying to illustrate with you is this, is that when we allow love to rule in us, the sin will not be the focus. The love will be the focus. She knocked on that door. And I thought to myself, how? And then in a few minutes later, I began to pray, and my heart was broken. Because I realized from being in another country, another culture, and the, and the desperation that's involved, that probably her mother made her go give herself so that they could be paid for and work for food so they could have food the next day. Or they needed something. And so she put her out there in order to have that happen. And so let's not judge. I pray for that girl. And I pray that she would encounter the love of Jesus and she would never have to know the way of the world, but she would know God. Father, we thank you for every individual in this room. God, we ask you to bless them. We ask you to reveal yourself to them and for you, oh God, to show yourself strong. Can you turn on just a little music just as we uh, reflect? Everybody just, if you could, just to focus on the Lord, just... Just bow your heads and close your eyes just to focus on the Lord right now. God, we thank you. Your presence is here. We don't have to have music in order to have your presence. Well, we don't have to have anything to know you're here except to know that you did say that you were here and you're alive. Come on, with your heart right now. With your heart. I felt like some of the things that have come out of my heart hit you. It hit me. And I just want to encourage you right now to just evaluate in your heart what area you need to allow God to reach you in, in His presence. Have you been pursuing His presence? Have you been allowing yourself to be in His presence? Have you allowed His Word to be in your heart? Have you allowed worship to soar above your problem? And have you allowed love to win in your life, to love others? As he loves you. You know, I wrote this down this morning, and I don't know uh, where you're at in this, but I'm just going to read this that I wrote down in my heart for you this morning. I believe that there are some people here that you've been struggling and just seem to be covered up with issues and circumstances that you feel like you can't even get your head above water. You know you need His presence, but have forgotten that you have access and and you just need a touch from the Spirit and breakthrough in your life. I believe God wants to meet you today if you're in that area. If you have been covered up and you feel like you just sink in and your head is just covered over and you can hardly get your your head above water if that's you I want you to just reach your heart out if you want to lift up your hand and say that's me I want to believe with you there are also some people that need a healing touch and you sense in your spirit that faith has risen in your heart and you're ready to receive your healing if that's you I want you to just be bold enough any of those the, the one before or now I want you to just be bold enough to lift up your hand and say that's that's me that's me just lift up your hand as we, amen, as we, as we continue to share. 
there are also some that have difficulty giving love because you were so mistreated and unloved growing up that you often reflect on the lack of love you have experienced that you have forgotten and often you forget how radically loved you are by Jesus. You just begin to think about the presence of God in your life and you just find yourself in a position where you're always looking back on the love you didn't have. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand up. I'm just going to pray for those that fit into that category. Even right now, Father, if that's you, just reach your heart out. If you don't want to lift up your hand, that's fine. Just, just receive right now. Father, I ask you, just touch these people with your presence. If you want me to pray with you, just come up, come forward. I want to just come into agreement with you. Just come up here real quick. If you just need that fresh touch of the Spirit and you need to pull your head, so to speak, above water, you need that healing in your life, or, or you just have failed to be able to walk in love because of the love that you grew up lacking. If that's you, just if you want to, just come forward. Just give you a few minutes and then we're going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, God, we lift you up, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, God. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name. Come on, church, just agree with me. Father, we just pray right now for anybody that are in those circumstances or difficulty, right where they're at, in their chair, right where they're at in this room, I ask you to touch them. I ask you to reveal yourself to them. I ask you in Jesus' name for a fresh touch of your spirit right now in the name of Jesus Christ. We declare that by your stripes they are healed. We declare your word is above their sickness. Your word is above their circumstance and their problems. And God, I ask you that you help them today that they would no longer look to the problem, but they would look to the promiser. They would look to the one that loves them more than anything else. It loves them more. God, I thank you for that. God, I thank you for reaching us today. I thank you for touching us and restoring us in our hearts to a place where we are prepared and ready for these opportunities because we are a people of your presence. I thank you for this church. I thank you for what you've done in the past. I thank you for what you're doing today. Lord, and I thank you that this church is in your hands. God, I thank you that we don't define who we are based upon a building or based upon a name. We base who we are because we are the church. And we ask you to give us grace to see ourselves as you see us. God, we ask you that you cause a life to take place. Grace to take place. And we just thank you that we are going to define ourselves by what you say. In your word. We thank you for it, God. Oh, Rama, in Jesus' name. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. Bless the Lord, just for a few more minutes. Oh, we bless you, God. Yes, God. Come wake me from my sleep. Wake us from our sleep, God. Through the 
in our souls, God. Come away. Come awake. Thank you, Lord. Yes, God. To worship with all your strength. Spirit of the living God, come fall afresh on those caverns, God, of our soul. Yes. Thank you, God. Overflow, God, in Jesus' name. Yes, God. Yes. Yes, We bless you. We bless you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, God. We thank you today for what you've done. And we just ask you to seal it, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, again, let's let's thank Brinson for coming. That was a great word, a timely word. I know it it definitely touched a place in my heart that said, All right, you know, there's more. You can go deeper. There's <laughs> It's, he's infinite and I'm finite. So, I mean, I, I've got a lot more to go, all right? So, I, I really believe that, thank you for that word. I really believe that it really stirred us, really stirred us to say, okay, Lord, let's, let's really go for this. And something I wrote down was that, you know, that his spirit is life, life. Jesus said, it's the spirit that gives life, the flesh profits nothing. I just kept, I just kept stirring that in my head, the spirit is life our life all of it life it is life so we we thank you that you are life and we will pursue you and we will be consumed by your love so that this world might know you through us in jesus name amen i encourage you guys to stop by and just take a look and maybe grab a pamphlet um yeah, brinson has some of his ministry stuff there from a life bridge missions so on the way out just stop by and just pick up something i encourage you to all right amen, amen. be blessed